0: From the hallowed hallways of Shedd High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Greetings! We are broadcasting this hour from the Kingsley Sanatorium, whose motto is, Sometimes it's good to be crazy. In fact, the bars on the windows of this revered institution is to make sure no non-crazy people break in and spoil it for everybody. The Kingsley Sanatorium provides a sheltered environment for folks to go crazy, in a good way, to indulge their strange personal predilections and pursue their weird obsessions. And they don't let in just anyone. You have to have the proper credentials. We have here a member of the staff, Dr. Shrink. Tell us, doctor, why is everyone trying so hard to be admitted to the Kingsley Sanatorium? Well, studies have shown that basically people have more fun when they can go crazy. And we provide a safe place to do just that. I would add that we have quite a waiting list. And our security staff is working hard to make sure those lame, normal people don't bust in and dilute the craziness. Thank you, Doctor. And Chick Bullock is here to give a 1932 overview of crazy people. And he will be assisted by Owen Fallon and his Californians.
1: over things that you do, when we are underneath the moon, the moon above, you have me acting like a loon, it must be love, sweet love, crazy people, crazy people, crazy people like me go crazy over people like you. People, crazy people crazy people like me go crazy over people like you daffy people loopy people dizzy people like me go nutty over people like you when we are underneath the moon the moon above you have me acting like a loon it must be love sweet love crazy people Crazy people, crazy people like me go crazy over people like you.
0: Crazy people. That was Chick Bullock with Owen Fallon and his Californians from 1932. Yes, round the world is wandering the halls of the Kingsley Sanatorium. A safe haven for people who like to be strange. I'm sorry, Mr. Stober. Our team has decided you're just a little too normal to be admitted to our sanatorium. But, but I have the world's biggest ball of string. It's, it's 12 feet in diameter, and I've been adding to it for 29 years. Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? I'll see that we reconsider your application. And we will now eavesdrop on the 1931 New York Twelve. You're driving me crazy.
1: who would hurt me, desert me when I needed you. Yes, you, you're driving me crazy. What did I do to you?
2: jeden besseren Tonfilm schon gesehen. Ein kleiner Frau ist jetzt so klein und die Figur ist so gewett, dann du ich passt überhaupt nicht mehr. Na schön.
3: Hallo, was macht du heute Sie, Was du für mich
4: Hallo, was macht heute Sie? Ruhn, heil,
3: hallo, hallo, ich <lacht> oh, hallo, hallo, eine Nummer ich glaube, ich hallo,
4: das schon hallo, hallo.
0: Two 1931 versions of You're Driving Me Crazy. First we heard the New York 12, then we happened on the Comedian Harmonists, who were also being driven crazy, only this time in German. Around the World is broadcasting from the Kingsley Sanatorium. The grounds of this imposing yellow brick edifice in the Gothic style are surrounded by a brick wall, ten feet high and three feet thick. This is to prevent normal people from breaking in. And we'll head over now to the wing devoted to people who are crazy about dancing. Here's Fletcher Henderson and his 1923 orchestra And they are Charleston crazy.
4: every Saturday night. Oh what a sight, moonshine and bright. All the Rubens get together filled with delight. And they dance and play while the fiddles play. Look at Sally Simpkins over there with her bow. He's not so slow, just see them go. All the folks go crazy when that pranks they cry. They would dance till they die. It's shot Like I On the spot What for? If just you stop, stop that turkey, turkey trot Gobble 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 While the, the music's playing Hobble Hobble Wobble Wobble Let your feet go sway and they be picture. sure is going some I just feel like crowing hon faster faster, master that's the way you use that you're a poda chicken robber I'm a great eagle <coughs> cackle, Crackle. cackle, 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 cackle backle cackle fly with me and fly with me and, fly me and, with and flap your wings your and wings fly with me great scu i'll tell you what I'm brave about the turkey trot When the dance is over and the folks say goodbye From roofs on high, chickens they fly Right upon the barnyard floor, those dancers they cry They forget to late, while they bomb the See that phantom rooster with a hen by his side His happy bride, Just see them slide They forget that they will soon be in the stew When those prances they do how they fling, how they swing, you tell, while they do the chicken wing. Gobble, 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 gobble. While the music's playing hobble, hobble, wobble, wobble. Let, Let your go play and bait. It sure is going some. I just feel like growing hard. Slower. Faster. Faster. Slower. Not the way you're yours. You're a chicken robber? I'm a crazy, crazy gross cackle, crackle, cackle, crackle, 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 crackle. cackle, 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 cackle. with me and cry with me and, me and, you and clap your wings and fly with me. Great Scott, tell you what, I'm crazy about the turkey front. Gobble, 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 while the music's playing. hobble. wobble, wobble, let your feet go sway and This sure is going some. I just feel like throwing on. Lower. Faster, faster, slower By the way you used to, you're a Poozer, chicken, robber I'm a great big rooster cackle. cackle, 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 cackle Cackle, cackle, cackle Fly with me and fly with me And fly with me and fly with me, fly with me. Great shot, I'll tell you want. what I'm crazy about the turkey trot
0: The Cha-Cha in the Shona language from 1950s Zimbabwe by George C. and his Crazy Five. They were preceded by Arthur Collins and Byron Harlan from 1911. I'm crazy about the turkey trot. And the family of frolicking fanaticism was fired off by Fletcher Henderson and his orchestra with the 1923 Charleston Crazy. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. We are touring the various wards of the Kingsley Sanatorium. We've just visited the wing devoted to people who are crazy about dancing. And now I believe we are entering the area set aside for that portion of humanity crazed about verbal shenanigans. We hear next Harry McClintock, AKA Radio Mac from 1928. Ain't we crazy?
5: Now I know a little ditty, it's as crazy as can be. The guy who wrote it said he wanted it and handed it to me. I found that couldn't use it because it sounded blue. And that's the very reason why I'm handing it to you. It's a song the alligators sing while coming through the rye as they serenade the elephants up in the trees so high. The Iceman hums this ditty as he shovels in the coal and the monkeys join the chorus up around the northern pole. Ain't we crazy? Ain't we crazy? This is the way we pass the time away. Ain't we crazy? Ain't we crazy? We're going to sing this song all night today. It was midnight on the ocean, not a streetcar was in sight, and the sun was shining brightly, for it rained all day that night. It was a summer night in winter, and the rain was snowing fast, and a barefoot boy with shoes on stood a-sitting in the grass. It was evening and the rising sun was setting in the west. The little fishes in the trees were huddled in their nest. The rain was pouring down and the moon was shining bright, and everything that you could see was hidden out of sight. While the organ field potatoes lard was rendered by the choir, the sexton rung the dish rag, someone set the church on fire. Holy smoke, the preacher shouted. In the rain he lost his hair. Now his head resembles heaven, for there is no parting there. The cows were making cowslips and the bells were ringing wet. And the bumblebees were making bums and smoking cigarettes. And a man slept in a stable and came out a little horse. So he hopped upon his golf sticks and drove all around the course. Ain't we crazy? Ain't we crazy? This is the way we pass the time away Ain't we crazy? Ain't we crazy? We're going to sing this song all night today It was midnight on the ocean, not a horse car was in sight As I stepped into the drugstore to get myself a light The man behind the counter was a woman old and gray Who used to pedal shoestrings on the road to Mandalay Good evening, sir, the woman said and her eyes were bright with tears she put her head beneath her feet and stood that way for years her children six were orphans except one tiny tot who lived in the house across the street above a vacant lot ain't we crazy ain't we crazy but this is the way we pass the time away ain't we crazy ain't we crazy we're going to sing this song all night today
4: You chase me and I'll chase you.
1: Crazy words, crazy tune. All that you'll ever hear of the is Ho no, 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 around all night
4: long. Seems the same words to every song. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. His youth says daily, daily, how it's drunk, mum bum, dancing, dancing, then he hollers black with crazy words, crazy tune, he'll be driving me crazy tune with his wild, do-do-do, for Black Farmson in the Senate the other day. What did President Billis say? Oh, no, yo! no, 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 no.
0: crazy tune. That was the Melody Twins with Ted White's 1927 Collegians. Before them we witnessed the great Harry McClintock in 1928. Ain't we crazy? Welcome back to the Kingsley Sanatorium, the 88,000 square foot facility for strange people who are crazy about something. We're in the Verbal Shenanigans Ward, where we find rhetorical rollicking and assortments of syntactical skylarking. Next we hear the Five Royales with Charlie Little Jazz Ferguson and his 1953 orchestra. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Crazy, 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 by the 1953 Five Royales with Charlie Little Jazz Ferguson and his orchestra, which was followed up by Blanche Callaway and her 1931 orchestra, just a crazy song. Blanche, by the way, taught her brother Cab Callaway how to be crazy from an oratorical standpoint. We are touring the Kingsley Sanatorium, which provides a secure facility for the tired and the. Poor in spirit to indulge their personal craziness. Let's go outside and tour the manicured lawns and flower beds of these stately grounds maintained by people who are crazy about gardening. Now I see there's even a barn for crazy animals. We're about to hear how Bernie Kai'i and his Hawaiians tell all about their 1946 crazy horse.
6: When I get on my Leo, everything seems make a fine okay. But when I say helle hololio, he'll be back the other way. All he likes to do is just find that when he sleeps, you'll always hear him pray. Never can I go a holo Leo. My Poboolie Leo, oh When I say get up there, he fed be a hoolie too Maybe he kolohe or kakil too He's kama hanui and momona too He's makapa, he's really kapooloo Oh, I wish that I could sell this Leo For he's really, really good to me Pretty soon, he's gonna drive me low, low
3: My Poboolie Leo, oh
6: Maybe a holy too, maybe he kolohe or kakil too. He's called Mohanu and momona too. He is mahapa pa why he's really kapulu. Oh, I wish that I could sell this leeu, for oh, he's really, good to me. Pretty soon, he's gonna drive me lolo, my puguli leeu away. Nice.
0: We heard Bernie Kaie in his 1946 Hawaiians tell about my pupalilio, my crazy horse. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. And we're here on the luscious formal grounds of the Kingsley Sanatorium. We were in the livery stable looking over somebody's crazy horse. and Now let's slip in the back door of the stately gothic edifice and ascend the stairs to the ward devoted to people who are crazy about different aspects of music. Let's see now, first door to the right, Jelly Roll Morton's Red Hot Peppers. They're experimenting intently on some 1930 crazy chords. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport.
1: Here's goodbye to you they say that when a high brow meets a low brow walking along broadway soon
4: the highbrow he has no brow it is a shame and you're to blame
1: what's the use of prohibition you produce the same condition crazy rhythm i've gone crazy too
0: daisies with their 1928 Crazy Rhythm. This was preceded by some crazy chords cooked up in 1930 by Jelly Roll Morton and his red hot peppers. We have time for a couple of more music crazy inmates of the Kingsley Sanatorium. The institution that holds lunacy in reverence and gives the eccentric and peculiar the respect they deserve. After which, we'll head out to the street to see if any poor Normal person in the general population wants to put in their two cents. First, here is Horace Henderson and his 1934 orchestra, and they are rhythm crazy. was Mamie Smith and her jazz hounds with some crazy blues from 1920. And before that, we heard Horace Henderson and his 1934 orchestra go rhythm crazy. This is Round the World with Cracklin Jane, and we'd like to thank the staff of the Kingsley Sanatorium for the edifying tour of the various wards of weirdness. And we especially want to thank the inmates who courageously shared their fetishes and fixations. We did tour a ward of folks who loved buttons. Buttons of all shapes and sizes and f- from different decades. Thousands of different types of buttons made from different materials. But we thought it would make for dull radio to just sit there as they quietly sorted through them. Well, we're back out on the street and we waylaid a 1917 passerby by the name of Marion Harris. Wants to let us know that she doesn't believe in victim mentality. She says everybody's crazy about the doggone blues. But I'm happy. Bound. heard Marion Harris tell us everybody's crazy about the doggone blues, but I'm happy, which was then underscored by Wilbur Swetman's original jazz band's purely instrumental version. And thus concludes our one of Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. We went on a tour of the Kingsley Sanatorium, a place where those with unusual monomanias can indulge their obsessions in an atmosphere where craziness is respected and revered, and the bars on the windows keep the riffraff, normal people out. We've met folks who are crazy about dancing, weird rhythms, strange chords, and verbal gymnastics. And folks, remember the door is always open at CracklinJane.com. We pause now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. Welcome to hour two of Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. And in honor of going crazy, we bring you now a 1949 episode of The Jack Benny Show, in which Jack has a music lesson and drives his violin teacher insane. So let's listen.
7: with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, the Sportsman Quartet, and yours truly, Don Wilson. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, let's go out to Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills where he's waiting for Professor LeBlanc to arrive and give him a
8: violin lesson. At the moment, the professor is approaching the house. Here Monsieur Benny's house. Why did I have to become a violin teacher? If there was such a thing as reincarnation, I would be happy to die and come back as a pig or a dog. But with my luck, I would come back as a cat and end up on Monsieur Benny's violin. (laughs) Well, I might as well go in. Well, Professor LeBlanc, how do you do, Michel Beny? You were supposed to be here for my lesson yesterday. Why didn't you come? Last Sunday, I heard that you were going to be on the Ford Theater program and do the horn blows at midnight. Yes, yes. With 18 million Ford's on the road, I figured at least one of them would
9: hit you. (laughs) No, 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 I
8: was careful. Well, uh... Now, come on, Professor. Let's go in the den and start the lesson. We. Oui. Now I'll get my violin and hmm, that's funny. I was here a few minutes ago.
7: Oh, Rochester! Rochester! Just a minute, boss. I'm burying something in the backyard. <laughs> what? Rochester, what are you burying? Our oh, Thanksgiving turkey. I'm sick of it. <laughs>
8: oh, for a minute I was worried. Come on in here. Mr. Benny, if you like, I would gladly come back some other time. No, no, Professor, don't worry. We'll find (laughs) it.
7: What is it, boss?
8: Rochester, my violin is missing. It is? Yes, I've looked everywhere, and it's gone.
7: Well, what are we waiting for? Let's open a bottle of champagne.
8: (laughs) Rochester, there's no time to be funny. Now, help me find it.
7: Okay, okay. Now, let me see. If I was Mr. Benny's violin, what would I do? i take the strings off and lag myself to death.
8: Now, stop that. Bacchus, my violin just couldn't work. Well, how do you like that? Somebody put it in the fireplace under those old newspapers.
7: (laughs) Professor, put out that match.
9: Oui,
8: monsieur. Bacchus, why'd you put my violin in the fireplace?
7: I thought it would sound better if it was barbecued. What? Save the net for me. Now, cut that out.
8: I'm gonna take my violin lesson so you can leave now. Oui, monsieur.
7: <laughs> monsieur
8: Denis, let us commence. Okay. I'll start with the menu with the antique. Yes, yes, well.
10: No, oh, no, Monsieur Denis. Not ta, 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 ta. No. I told you so many times. You must slide. Down, down, down. Oh. Now
8: try it again, and this time slide up the string. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, was that too high? I think so. You knocked off your toupee.
11: <laughs>
8: oh, oh, excuse me a minute. There. Shall I try it once more? Yes, but turn around and face me. I am. I am facing you. Oh, yes, you put your toupee on back world. <laughs> I did not. This is the one with the bang. Now, try it once more and hold the bow firmly. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, a bow is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Louis Michel. And now, try it once more. Yeah. You know, Professor, it's hard to believe that this music is coming from a horse's tail. <laughs> It is not our to believe. (laughs) What? Proceed. (laughs) Yes, sir. That sounds better. That's the door button. (laughs) Oh, Rochester,
7: answer the door.
8: Rochester. Excuse me, Professor. I'll have to get it. You smile, the song begins, and then I play my violin. It's magic. La, 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 la. Oh, hello, Dennis. I came to say goodbye. I'm running away from home. <laughs> you're, you're what? I'm
12: running away from home.
8: Dennis, again with the... What are you talking about, running away from home? Yeah. Look, don't you realize what that'll do to your parents? It'll break their hearts. What have you got in that suitcase, food or clothing?
12: I don't know. My mother packed it. <laughs> oh. Well, come on in. Okay.
8: Now, look, Dennis. I know that sometimes you have arguments at home, but you ought to change your mind about running away. After all, it won't be long before you'll be missing your mother. I know. That's why I took along this picture. See? Wait a minute. This is a picture of Monty Woolley.
12: No, it's my mother. I drew a beard on it.
8: Okay. Anyway, Hannah, stop being silly. You can't run away from home. I mean, what would you do? Where would you go? I'd go around the world in a boat. A boat? Yeah, they rent them to you at Westlake Park.
11: Fine, it's a great
8: way to go around the world. Yeah. Hmm. Look, Marco Schmolo. But before you run away from home, how about letting me hear the song you're going to do on the program? Okay. Come on, let's hear it. Good, Dennis. You can sing that as you sail around the world. When are you leaving? Stop talking about it. I'm seasick already. No. Well, sit down and rest for a few minutes. Next to the window. Okay. Look, at, I've got to. Rochester, answer the phone. I'm going to finish my violin lesson. Yes,
7: sir. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Benny's residence, star, stage, screen, radio, and have your income tax filed by the man who knows. <laughs> Hiya, Chester. Can I speak to buttons and bucks? Just <laughs> Just a minute. Are you, boss? Who is it? Files and Bourbon. <laughs> oh, oh. Hello? Hiya, Jackson. It's the maestro. Oh, hello, Phil. How are you? Swell, swell. Listen, Methuselah, the reason I called. <laughs> I called you because my is forming a baseball team and I thought you'd be interested. A baseball team? Yeah, and I was wondering whether we should call it Harris's Hurricanes or Benny's Bombers.
8: Harris's Hurricanes? Well, that's ridiculous. After all, it is my program, so how can you call the team anything but Benny's Bombers? Okay, that'll be 126 bucks for the uniform.
11: <laughs>
8: oh. Uh, tell me, Phil, uh, when is the first game of Harris's Hurricane?
11: <laughs> huh?
8: In about three weeks, Jackson, we're playing Kate Kaiser's orchestra. Well, I hope your boys are better baseball players than they are musicians. They sure are, Jackson. We got a great team. Listen to the lineup. I'm pitching, Sammy the drummer's catching, and Bagby the piano player's in right field. Now, what position is Remley in? Same as always, flat on his back. (laughs) I thought so. I'll pick him up if you want to say hello to him. (laughs) No, no, don't disturb him.
11: (laughs)
7: Hey, Phil, Phil, who are the other members of your team? Well, my three saxophone players are in the infield. Billy Smith's on third, Walter Sharp's on second, and Jimmy Watt's on first. Who's on first? No, Watt's on first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jackson, you're a natural born straight man. (laughs) Look,
8: uh, look, Costello. What what other teams are you going to play? Well, after Kaiser, we play Bob Crosby's orchestra, then Russ Morgan's orchestra, then Phil Spitalony. Oh. The one with Spitalony's orchestra is the night game. Oh,
7: with light? Light's nothing. You think we're crazy? <laughs>
11: oh. 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 Oh, Oh. 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 Hey look,
8: Jackson, why well, don't you drop around and watch the team practice sometime? I'll do that, Nice I see the call. So long, Phil. So long. Oh, say, Jackson. Yeah? Before I hang up, I want to ask you what number would you like my orchestra to play on the program next Sunday? Oh, I don't know. Well, my band's been rehearsing a swell arrangement of the Sheik of Araby. Oh, that song making a comeback? Why, has it been away? <laughs> certainly, Phil. That song's been dead for over 20 years. Well, then we'll play it. We can't hurt it none. (laughs) No, but you can let it rest in peace. (laughs) Goodbye, Phil. So long, you uncle. What a baseball team that's going to be. Mr. Uh, Benny, let us finish the violin lesson. Oh, yes, yes, Professor. We'll go right in and... Oh, boss! What is it, Rochester? You
7: told me to remind you that you wanted to listen to a certain radio program at 5 o'clock.
8: Oh, yes, yes. My girlfriend, Daisy Dickinson, is going to be interviewed. Rochester, turn on the radio. Yes,
7: sir.
8: And you say you've been selling perfume in that department store for 27 years?
12: Yes, for 27 years. Every day I've been behind that perfume counter.
8: Well, thank you very much, Miss, uh, Miss...
12: Just call me Stinky. (laughs) Thank you. Mr. Benny, is that your girlfriend?
8: No, no, of course not. Oh. And now continuing our series of interviews with people in every walk of life, we present another young lady here. What's your name, miss?
12: Uh, Daisy Dickinson.
8: Oh, that's her, Dennis. That's, that's my girlfriend. Huh? Uh, tell me, Miss Dickinson, uh, where were you born?
12: Well, sir, I was born way down in Atlanta.
8: Well, then that makes you a Georgia Pete.
12: <gasps> Don't let this fuzz on my face fool you, honey. <laughs>
8: A little on her upper lip, she makes a big thing out of it. (laughs) And now, Miss Dickinson, what is your occupation?
12: Well, I'm a secretary for a radio advertising agency, Batten, Barton, Durston, and Osborne.
8: Oh, an advertising agency. That's interesting. I suppose in that way you get to meet a lot of big stars.
12: Oh, yes. But the only one I know real well is little old Jack Benny. You know, Mr. Benny, I Shut
8: think... up, kid. They're talking about me.
12: <laughs> <laughs>
8: hey, Miss Dickinson, uh, perhaps you can give us some inside information about Mr. Benny.
12: Well, if it's not too personal. <laughs>
8: Gosh, what a personality.
12: <laughs>
8: and now, Miss Dickinson, uh, on the radio, Mr. Benny portrays a somewhat parsimonious character. Is he that stingy in real life?
12: Goodness, no. Why, on our very first date, he took me to Steros. Oh, we had a wonderful dinner. And the bill came to $21.12.
8: Uh, how did you know the exact amount of the check?
12: Well, Jack's so playful, he kept blowing it over to me. <laughs> And then when he ran out of breath, he paid, and we left.
8: <laughs> darn right I paid. twenty one twelve.
12: dollars Wow! <laughs> uh,
8: well, Miss Dickinson, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest on our program. And before you go, we want to give you a case of our sponsor's product. Zingy Zesto, the best breakfast cereal of them all.
12: Oh, thank you. Uh,
8: remember, our breakfast food doesn't snap, pop, or crackle. It just sits in the bowl and minds its own business. <laughs> I'll have to get some of that. Well, thank you, Miss Dickinson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's our next guest. Your name, please? Donald Wilson. Hey, Dennis, it's Don Wilson. He didn't tell me he was going to be on the program. Well, maybe he doesn't want to pay commission. Maybe.
0: <laughs> Don
8: Wilson, are you the radio announcer? Well, that's just the sideline. I'm really a great mimic. I can imitate anything. I see. And what do you consider your most novel imitation? Uh, my imitation of a quartet. I do all four voices. All four voices? Yeah, yeah. Would you like
10: to hear it? Ooh, would I?
8: (laughs) I wonder what Don's trying to do. All right, I'll just listen to this. First, I want to warm up my four voices. Mimi, Mimi, Mimi. Mimi, Mimi. I didn't know Tom could do that. And uh, when I put all my four voices together,
7: I sound like this. Feeling low, feeling tense. These eight words are common sense. To feel your level
11: best.
8: Well, that was wonderful, Mr. Wilson. Thank you. To feel your level best? Yeah, that's enough, Mr. Wilson. <laughs> Mr. Wilson. Mr. Wilson, that's enough.
7: Take your four voices and go. Thank, Thank you. you.
8: See, I didn't know Don could imitate a quartet. He looks like one, but I didn't think. <laughs> of... Mr. Benny, huh? I am waiting to finish the lesson. Oh, of course, Professor. Let's go in the other room. Oh, excuse me, Professor. Maybe that's Mary. No, no, she's in Palm Springs. Well, they have door buzzers there. Oh, quiet.
11: <laughs>
10: oh, hello, Mr. Kitzel. Hello, Mr. Benny. Mr. Benny, I came over to ask you, yeah. would I get some tickets to your broadcast for my bowling club?
8: Oh, I certainly, Mr. Kittle. I didn't know you belonged to a bowling club.
10: Well, it was my wife's idea. She wants to lose a little weight. Oh, oh, is she heavy? Heavy. Ho, ho, ho. You know, on the day we was married, her father and I could hardly carry her over the threshold. <laughs> Her father? It was his house. We were moving in. Let him
11: help. (laughs) Oh,
10: oh. What a job. Yes, we have to carry her pony back. No, no, you mean piggyback. Left well enough alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Mr. Kitzel, I think it was very smart of your
8: wife to join a bowling club.
10: It's smart. Some bowling club. they need new equipment. Every ball I picked up had holes in it. <laughs> well, Mr. Kitzel, you see, a bowling ball is supposed to have holes in it. They're for your fingers, and
8: one hole is for your thumb.
10: Yes, that I found out to my sorrow. Oh, did something happen to you? No, to the man who runs the delicatessen. Oh. A bowling ball got stuck to his thumb that was three weeks ago, and he didn't got it off yet.
11: <laughs>
10: well, how does how does that affect you? Mr. Benny, when I buy a pound of corn, the yes. thing for a little thumb I don't mind. For twelve pounds of bowling ball. <laughs> That's too much. Oh, Mr. Kissel, You you just made that up. Yes. <laughs> oh my. <laughs>
11: you
8: know that
10: one. That was
8: pretty clever. Say, maybe you'd like to write for my program.
10: Oh, I would like to very much, but I already got a job in radio.
8: You have?
10: Yes, I'm a technical advisor on the life of Riley. Well, here are your tickets, Mr. Kitzel. Oh, bless your heart, Mr. Benny. Thank you. When Irish eyes are smiling by New Easter day.
7: All right, uh, Professor LeBlanc.
8: Now we can continue with the violin lesson. Thank you, Monsieur. I'll get my violin and Oh, excuse
10: me, Professor. Waterhouse. Always interruptions. Ding-a-ding-ling, the phone. The radio.
7: Uh, The door puzzles. Professor. I'd
10: rather give you a lesson in the snake pit. Professor. (laughs) Professor,
12: please.
8: Why is this, Mr. Benny? Yes? Is Mr. Benny in on cold rain? Mr. Benny, Claude Rains is here to see you. Claude Rains? Well, well. Well, hello, Mr. Rains. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you're here a day early. I didn't come for my laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, then, uh, is this a social call? No, it's not a social call, Mr. Benny. It's business. Business? Yes. Uh, Several weeks ago, I signed a contract to appear on the Ford Theater Hour. Well, how nice. This morning, Mr. Fletcher Markle, director of that program, informed me that I'm to appear with you next Friday in the horn blows at midnight. Well, congratulations, Mr. Raines. Uh, this is a splendid opportunity for you. Well, I don't know. They told me the same thing when I joined a pyramid club.
11: <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
12: My uncle got $700 from a pyramid club.
8: Oh, did he win? No, he held it up. Oh, be fine. <laughs> Mr. Raines, Mr. Raines, I assure you that appearing with me in the Hornblows at midnight on the Ford Theater Friday night will do you a lot for your career. Well, I won't argue the point, Mr. Benny. I respect your ability, but that picture received the worst reviews I ever read. So what? The critics don't count. It's the people in the trade who matter. The people in the trade thought the picture was terrible. So what? The people in the trade aren't important either. It's the public that counts. The public thought the picture was simply awful. How would they know? They didn't even go to see (laughs) it. Anyway, Mr. Rain, I don't think you should pass judgment on the horn blows at midnight till you see it. Oh, but I did see it, Mr. Benny. In fact, I sat through the picture twice. Twice? Yes, I couldn't
7: believe what I saw the first time.
8: (laughs) Oh, then, uh, then you didn't like it? Didn't like it, Mr. Benny. That is the greatest understatement since that day in fourteen ninety two when Columbus said, I think I've found something.
11: <laughs>
8: you you mean when Columbus discovered America? Congratulations, I didn't think you'd know. <laughs> hmm. I want to warn you, Mr. Benny, that immediately upon leaving here, I'm going to my lawyer's to see what legal steps I can take to get out of appearing with you on the Ford Theater. Look, Mr. Rain. Say, Mr. Benny. What?
12: If my mother had married
8: him, would I be a rainy day? (laughs) Dennis, if that was intended for a witticism, it certainly missed its mark. Boy, is he dumb. I made up a joke about his own name and he doesn't even get it. (laughs) Mr. Benny, Mr. Benny, I don't know whether this is your relative, friend, business associate, or servant, but whatever it is, I'm allergic to it. (laughs) Dennis, go sit down.
12: I'm on your side. Sit down! (laughs) Sit down!
8: Now, look, Mr. Raines, your part in this picture that we're going to do has such great importance. Think of it. You're the chief of the planets in heaven. I'm an angel. And at your command, I come down to earth. At my command, you wouldn't stop there. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Raines, whether you realize it or not... You're getting a break appearing with me in the Ford Theater Friday night. It isn't every actor who can go on the radio with a big comedian. Mr. Benny, I've already made several guest appearances on the radio with the rather well-known comedian, Fred Allen. Fred Allen. Hoo-ha. Some comedian. (laughs) I gathered that you and Mr. Allen weren't too chummy from what he said about you. Oh, yeah? What did he say about me? He said you were the only comedian in radio who steals jokes from Milton Berle. (laughs) Mr. Rain, when you take a joke from Milton Berle, it's not stealing, it's (laughs) repossessing. Now let's not talk. Let's not talk about Mr. Allen anymore. I'm going to have my dinner soon. All right, Mr. (laughs) Benny. All right. But isn't there any way I can talk you out of doing the horn blows at midnight or at least letting me get out of my contract? No, Mr. Raines. My mind is made up, and I'll see you Friday night on the Ford Theater. Very well. But all I can say is this is the worst thing that has happened to me in all my 39 years. (laughs) Well, I... What? You're... You're 39? Yes. Hey, that's a coincidence. See, I'm, uh, I'm 39, too. Well, you can have it. You were there first.
12: <laughs> what? Goodbye, Mr. Benny. Goodbye. Goodbye.
8: him trying to get out of appearing with me next Friday night. Mr. Benny, please, I am waiting for you to finish the lesson. I have other pupils. Oh, yes, yes. Here is your violin. Thank you, thank you. Now, what do you want me to play? The professor? same
7: thing, the same thing. You haven't learned it yet. You haven't learned anything. Play it, play it! <laughs> all right, I
8: mean, all right. don't get so excited. I'll, I'll start at the beginning.
0: You are listening to WSHDLP Esport We have just heard a 1949 episode of the Jack Benny Show Jack has a music lesson Now, stay tuned for a 1951 episode of the early radio version of Dragnet. Here is the big crazy.
13: The story you are about to hear is true, only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant, you're assigned a homicide detail. A 30-year-old woman is missing. Three months pass before a disappearance is reported. There's not a trace of the woman. No lead to her whereabouts.
14: Your job? Find her.
13: Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force
14: in action. It was Monday, June 9th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from the stats office, and it was ten eighteen a.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. How are you, Joe? Been waiting for you. Hi. Ma'am, I'd like to have you meet my partner, Sergeant Friday. Joe, this is Miss Daly, Ruth Daly. How
15: do you do? How are you? Miss
14: Mr. Daly came in to file a missing report on her sister, Joe. She already talked to missing persons, and they sent her in to see us. Oh, I uh, have a chair, ma'am. Thank you. Well, what's it all about, Miss?
16: I just started to tell Sergeant Ramirez here. That's your... Ramirez, ma'am. Oh, I'm sorry romero well it's about my sister bernice sergeant she's missing i wondered if maybe you people could help me find her
14: well what's your sister's name
16: bernice i guess you want a married name mrs james butler her description will be just about the way i look bernice and i are twins
14: mm-hmm. when did your sister disappear ma'am
16: in march the first weekend in march she disappeared on a saturday
14: well that's three months ago miss daly how is it this wasn't reported sooner
16: well as a matter of fact i halfway expected her husband to report it I talked to him about it when Bernice was gone two weeks. He didn't seem too worried.
14: Is there any reason for him not to worry? Well,
16: there isn't a way. You see, Bernice has gone off before, about a year ago. She picked up, and went to Arizona without telling anybody. When she came back, she said she just wanted to get away for a while. She didn't want to be around here.
14: Well, how long did she stay away that time?
16: Almost a month.
14: Well, how about your sister's married life? She get along with her husband all right?
16: Well, first five years they were married, it worked all right. Then it sort of turned sour. I don't know what happened. They used to be happy.
14: Well, what was the trouble, do you know?
16: That's the funny part, I don't. I wouldn't even know who to blame for it, Jimmy or Bernice. Both of them started drinking a lot, pretty heavy. Seemed to me around that time, Jimmy began to get a little funny. I see.
14: Has he ever been violent towards your sister, Miss Daly? I mean, has he struck her or anything like that? Oh, no.
16: Really, Jimmy's kind of a milk toast character. Timid, skinny, most of the time afraid to say boo. Yesterday, I went over to the house to visit Jimmy. I tried to make conversation. He just sat in his chair reading a book. Every time I'd mention Bernice, he'd kind of look up and growl at me. Mm-hmm. I got sick of it. I put on my coat and started for the door. He followed me.
14: Mm-hmm. Did he say anything at all?
16: Yes. When I opened the door, I turned around to say goodbye. Yeah? He had this real horrible look on his face. He said it right out loud, plain as day. What's that? He said, You'd be surprised if I killed her, wouldn't you? You'd be surprised. <laughs>
14: 10:40 40 a.m. we finished taking a complete statement from ruth Daly regarding the disappearance of her married sister bernice butler before she left we got the business address of her brother-in-law a broadcast and a missing bulletin was gotten out and then ben and i drove cross town to have a talk with the husband of the missing woman james butler we located him at work in a job printing shop on south vermont where he was employed as a journeyman printer he was in his early 30s, thin, blonde hair, light complexion, about five foot seven, 125 pounds. He wore a pair of rimless glasses. Ben and I introduced ourselves and began to interview him. He was close-mouthed and not too cooperative. He seemed to resent every question we asked him. While we talked, he worked over a paper-cutting machine. You'll have to admit it's a little out of the ordinary, Mr. Butler. Your wife missing three months, and you acting like she's been gone three hours. Did you hear me, Butler? I heard you. Well, what about it? Just a minute. Well? Uh, you know, it's not ordinary her going away. I'm married to her. I do know my own wife. We talked to your wife's sister this morning, Ruth Daly. She seems to think you might know all about your wife disappearing. She does? That's right. In my way, I got to get that other set of cards. Oh, yeah. What do you think? I don't know. There's something wrong with him. Sure got a big grudge for somebody here, sir. wonder what that girl meant when she called him bashful. Yeah, about as bashful as a wild boar in a plum thing. You're my way. I got to get in there. Yeah, go ahead. I haven't got any spare time to talk. I have to get this order out.
15: It'll only take a few minutes if you'll be good enough
14: to cooperate. I Haven't got the time, that's all. It's almost your lunch hour, isn't it? Supposed we can talk then? Got no time then either. Why don't you talk to Ruth? She seems to know Now listen, that's about enough of this, mister. We ask you civil questions, we expect civil answers. If you think this isn't important, change your mind. Your wife's been gone for three months, nobody's seen or heard from her, and it's our job to check it. Now you can talk to us here or downtown. You take your pick. I have to finish up this badge first. We can talk out in the alley and back. I want everybody knowing my business. That's fine with us. You do what you have to do. We'll wait for you. Sure is aching for an argument, huh? Yeah, I wonder what his big trouble is. Maybe a hangover. Looks a little used up. Yeah, it could be. If he had something to do with his wife's disappearing, you'd think he'd try to cover it. Where he's at, and he doesn't seem to care what we think. Well, let's see what kind of a story he's got. Mm.
15: Okay, it's this way,
14: out back. Well, go ahead. Yeah, what's the big deal? You ever been arrested, Butler? Nope. Almost a couple of times, they couldn't get me. What kind of trouble were you in? They said they didn't get me. I'm not going to put myself in hot water. We'd like to find out how your wife was before she disappeared. Do you know of any reason why she'd go off the way she did? Any reason why she'd stay away three months without any word? No, I don't know any reason. How about your relatives, your friends? You checked to see if she might be with one of them? They'd call if she was. You never checked with them? No. I think Ruth did. you have any big arguments with your wife, Butler? Around the time she disappeared, I mean? We had them all the time. She bothered me. She was too fresh. I beat it out of her. That's all. You got to. Give him a little freedom. I think he can take over. nag and tell you what to do, what not to do. Sick of it. We'd like a straight answer here, Butler. Did you want your wife out of the way? What do you mean by that? I mean, do you know why she's missing? Could be a lot of reasons. Might know one. Did you kill your wife, Butler? It'd be silly to tell you that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Did you kill her? Only one way I'll say yes to that. Yeah? When you prove it. Well, it wasn't easy to understand. From the way it started our interview with james butler would get us nothing we had no evidence against him nothing to indicate definitely that his wife had met foul play nothing but a suspicious remark he was supposed to have made to his sister-in-law ruth daly but once we'd left the print shop and got out in the back alley where he couldn't be overheard he was full of information besides telling us that he would beat his wife butler also admitted that he'd threatened her life on several occasions twice in the presence of friends he seemed to take some kind of a peculiar pride in admitting how violent he'd been with his wife Ben and I took him downtown, questioned him further, and listened to him talk. He made veiled hints that he'd been involved in various criminal activities in this country and also in Europe, that he was a close friend with a half a dozen notorious underworld gang leaders, that he was ruthless and clever enough to dispose of his wife if he wanted to and still avoid prosecution. While we were talking, Ben had James Butler's name and description double-checked through the record bureau files. There was no previous criminal record listed for him. As far as we knew, at no time, had he even been held under suspicion in the criminal investigation. The next day, together with Brian and Lopez from Homicide, Ben and I made the rounds of Mr. and Ms. Butler's friends, relatives, and neighbors. 4.25 p.m., we got back to the
15: office. Oh, hi, Lopez. Hi, Ben. Joe. What's doing? Nothing great. How'd you two make out? It's a funny setup to me. I'd say the guy's a phony. Everybody we talk to, everybody who knows Butler, they all say the same thing. What's that? Guy's afraid of his own shadow. He's a milk toast. Nothing to him. What'd you get? Oh, about the same. Every housewife around the
14: neighborhood out where they live, they all told us the same thing. The guy's a hen-pecked husband. His wife laid down the laws, and he follows them.
15: Psycho case, huh? Must be.
14: Don't know how else to explain it. Every
15: time I asked one of their friends if
14: Butler beat up his wife, they laughed in my face. Said he wouldn't even dare cash his check on payday. Had to bring it home. If anybody got beat up, it must have been him. Mm. Yeah, it sure tells a great story. He could make you believe he was a bluebeard.
15: Did you get any different answers at all, over Yeah, one, maybe. You yeah, Let me take a look. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, here. Uh, Mrs. Irene Brady, she's an aunt of Mrs. Butler. Uh-huh. Uh, she said the same thing about Butler, about him being a real mouse and all. And she told us about the dizzy things he'd been doing the last couple of years. Yeah, what was that? Well, four or five times she said he just went out looking for trouble, go in a neighborhood bar and insult some big Steve or he'd get his face pushed in. He always picked big guys. Didn't seem to mind getting beat up as long as he could insult them.
14: Oh, not much doubt, I guess. The guy's ready for the net for him. Well, Apparently, he's got a big beef with people who push him around. Maybe he figured if he could take care of just one of those people, he could even up the score. How do you mean, Joe? Well, Mrs. Butler, the wife, she's probably the one who gave him the worst time. If he's a little bit off mentally, that'd make him capable of murder. could well, Could be, yeah.
15: Maybe the wife poured it on real strong, drove him to it. Mm, crazy as a coot, that guy. Too many movies, mystery books. Well, I got it.
14: Homicide from Mel. Oh yes, ma'am. How's that? How uh, when was that? Yes, ma'am. Yes, as soon as we can. What? That does it. What's that? That was a sister in law, Ruth Daly. Just told me she's positive Butler murdered his wife. What makes you think so? Number one, she says Butler told her so. He admitted it to her last night. Well, it doesn't hold any more water than the rest of his stories. I don't know. The only girl says she's positive. She's got the evidence to prove it. What's that? A murder weapon, bloodstains all over it. 4.45 p.m. Ben and I got in the car and drove out to the home of Mr. and Mrs. Butler, where we found the missing woman's sister waiting for us on the front stairs. She told us she'd been doing some kind of checking of her own through the house that afternoon. In going over the attic, she said she'd found a claw hammer hidden under a loose board in the attic floor. She said the hammer was covered with what appeared to be dry blood stains. She took us inside, up the stairs, to the attic.
16: Careful of at the steps, officers. It's an old house getting ready to fall apart.
14: Uh, watch the step here, Joe. Yeah, I'm all right. Go ahead.
16: Light's good and bright. That's how I happen to see the loose boards over here. Mm-hmm.
14: Did you pick up the hammer, Miss Daly?
16: No. I started to, but then I remembered about fingerprints and things. Just where I found it. Didn't touch it.
14: Hey, you want a pencil, Joe? Maybe you can get it in the claw there? No, I think we can see it right where it is. Yeah? see. Hey. Uh-huh. Could be, huh? Blood stain? Well, it sure looks like it. On the handle here, all over the head of the hammer.
16: I knew it. I knew there was something wrong the day she disappeared.
14: Hey, look at this, Joe. I just noticed. Hmm? These stains on the floor... Old trail of him, see? Laid right for the door. Yeah, well, we better get the crime lab on and have Lee Jones run the benzidine test on him. What time does he usually get home from work, Miss Daly, your brother-in-law?
16: About six o'clock. Don't know about today, though.
14: How do you mean? Is he worked late on Tuesday? No,
16: but I wanted to make sure he wouldn't be home when I came over today. I called the print shop where he works. He's not there. Called again this afternoon. Jimmy hasn't been seen since last night. Hmm.
14: Is he in the habit of skipping work?
16: No, he never does. I called every one of his friends I know of. Bernice's friends, too. I called them. Places he hangs around, nobody's seen him. Not since last night, since you talked to him.
14: You got no idea where he might be?
16: No. Just like Bernice. He disappeared. 5.20
14: p.m. Ben got on the phone and called around town to check further on the whereabouts of James Butler, the husband of the missing woman. No luck. We called the office and they got out a broadcast and an APB on Butler. We drove downtown to the crime lab, gave him the claw hammer that we'd found in the Butler's attic and asked him to run a benzidine test on the stains. We'd also made arrangements for Lee Jones to run similar tests on the stains we'd found on the floor of the attic. Three days passed. Butler was gone. There was no sign of him. The search was intensified. Another three days went by. Monday, June 16th, we got an answer on the APB, a phone call from the chief of police in Solari, California. Yeah, James Michael Butler,
15: WMA, 33 years, foot 728 pounds, blonde hair, hazel eyes. Hey, you got a North Hancock Street address down there, that
14: right? Yeah, that sounds like the man we're looking for.
15: He's a real weird one, Freddy. Caused a little trouble at one of the taverns up here last night. Kept picking fights with the biggest truck drivers he could find. We locked him up after his third fight. He entered jail in an uproar all night. Wild one. What'd he do? All shouting all over the place. Couldn't do anything with him. Uh Uh-huh. Keeps telling everybody how smart he is. Yeah.
14: Says he killed his wife, but nobody's ever going to find out. James Butler was returned to Los Angeles, where he underwent further interrogation in addition to a psychiatric test. The test showed that he was definitely abnormal, but he was still judged mentally competent. The crime lab's tests on the bloodstains found on the hammer and on the floor of the attic in the butler's home revealed that the stains were made by animal blood, not human. We questioned Butler about it, but we failed to get him to even admit he knew anything about the stains. He was released from custody, but he was kept under surveillance. A week passed. Two weeks. Nothing developed. Still no sign of the missing woman, Bernice Butler. Still no definite sign of foul play in connection with her disappearance. No definite sign that her husband was criminally involved in any way considering all the angles of the case we were still inclined to figure that he fitted in somewhere he had some direct hand in his wife's disappearance we stayed on it nothing happened on june 26th the twin sister of the missing woman ruth daly met ben and i at the office and laid out a plan
16: she had in mind she insisted we try it
14: you mean you want to work on his emotional nature and try to get some kind of an admission out of him is that the whole idea
16: that's it sergeant i know what a nut he is about being dramatic i know it'll work
14: it's possible yeah how do you figure to set it up
16: it won't be very hard For one thing, you know, my sister Bernice and I look quite a bit alike. Mm. People always take us for one another. You can get Jimmy out of the house at night for some reason or other. I'll slip in and go upstairs and put on one of the dresses Bernice used to wear all the time. Mm. I'll sit there in the upstairs bedroom with just the hall light on. Just enough light so we can see me when you bring him upstairs. I'll even bring over Bernice's pet cat she had, Siamese always hated the cat.
14: Mm, I don't know, ma'am. I'm not quite sure about it. Well, it might be worth a chance. It's not too orthodox, but maybe it'll work. If
16: I know Jimmy, it'll work, Sergeant. If you can just warm him up to it ahead of time before you bring him upstairs. When he sees me sitting in that room with a cat, I know he'll think it's Bernice. We're bound to get some kind of reaction. That's better than we're doing.
14: Yeah? Ben. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, it sounds like a movie script. I don't know. It's like she says. I guess we're bound to get a reaction.
16: I know it'll work. I'm sure of it.
14: you All right, let's give it a try. The following night, a few minutes before 8 o'clock, Ben and I got James Butler away from his house on the pretext of taking him downtown for further interrogation. We delayed long enough to make sure that Ruth Daly, the sister of the missing woman, had plenty of time to get into the house, change her clothes, and take her place in the upstairs room with her sister's pet, Siamese cat. Then we started back for the house. We'd made arrangements to have Brian and Lopez from Homicide standing by, concealed in the immediate vicinity of the house in case they were needed. 11.05 p.m. While we drove him back toward his home, Butler was talkative, but not too relaxed. It was the same line we'd heard before, how tough he could be when he wanted to, the same hints that he was an undiscovered killer, one of the more talented professionals in the deadly circles of the underworld.
15: I came from Illinois originally,
14: Cicero. You guys know how it is back there. You have to stay right up on your toes. Yeah, uh-huh. How long have you been out here now brother you expect me to tell you that i'm wise the way you guys work you're not going to get me on questions like that one I understand you do quite a bit of reading jim you come across anything good lately Nah, nothing lately all the good books they've already been written edgar Allan poe stevenson de maupassant gogo they know how to tell a good murder story these new guys are a waste of time reading that's all reading that's what i like to do not that modern junk only the best Take some of Poe and Stevenson, for instance. I know those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sir. Sure, I know their stuff well enough to tell you. I, I got whole pages memorized. How'd you like to hear some? Stevenson, maybe. All right, go ahead. I have to belie my nature. All men do. All men are better than this disguise that grows about and stifles them. You see, each dragged away by life like one whom bravos have seized and muffled in a cloak. If they had their own control, if you could see their faces, they would be altogether different. They would shine out for heroes and for saints. I am worse than most. Myself is more overlaid. My excuse is known to me and to God. But had I the time, I could disclose myself. That's out of Stevenson, you know. Pretty smart fellow, huh?
15: Yeah, sure
14: is. you got a pretty good memory. I read those books all the time. Nothing better.
15: Is the house all right?
14: Yeah, it's all right. Well, maybe I'll see you later, huh? Thanks for the ride. Well, I'll tell you, we'd like to come in the house with you if you don't mind, Butler. One or two things you'd like to check over, if that's all right with you. It's all right, Sure. Guess you ought to know by this time, huh? Nothing I'd hide in that house that you'd ever want to find. Come on, let's go. Sure dark out, isn't it? A little bit chilly. Yeah. What do you want to check over in the house? Always oh, one or two things. Just routine, Jim. We won't keep you long. Guess I ought to be a little burned at you cops by now, huh? Getting all this rousting. How about laying off pretty soon? Maybe I am getting a little burned. If you can prove something on old Jimmy Butler, prove it. If you can't do it, let him alone. Mm-hmm. We're just tying up a few loose ends here, Jim. There's nothing to get excited about. What's the matter? Forget your front door key? I got it. My business, you learn not to forget anything. Can't afford to forget. Yeah, it's quite a big place you got, Butler. You just stay here all by yourself? That's the way I like it, by myself. Wanna look at anything? You can look now. You threw. I got some bourbon in the cellar. I keep a big booze cellar, you know, all first-rate stuff. What's the matter? Oh, nothing, Jim. Thought I heard a cat someplace. Did you? No cats in this house. What do you mean you heard a cat? I hate the lousy things. I wouldn't have one. Didn't you tell us once your wife had a cat? I think it was you. You didn't like it much, did you? Killed the lousy thing. Got an axe and killed it. Dumb wife of mine used to drive me crazy with the cat hair all over the place. You know how it is. Got an axe and killed it, Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, There it is. I thought I heard it. Guess you got another one, huh, Butler? we will get rid of that thing. I'll find him and get rid of him right now. Upstairs. I suppose the house makes you think of your wife quite a bit, doesn't it, Jim? What? Well, I mean, you spent so much time in it together, you and Bernice. It's got quite a few memories for you, I guess, huh? Find that thing if it takes all night. I'll get the axe and I'll find the thing. Mm -hmm. It's up here, all right. Maybe down the hall there. Bernice's room. She had the cat. What's it doing here? There's no reason for it. Could have wandered back in. Can we get more light in this hallway? I can't see anything. The cat could be anywhere. What's it doing here alone? The cat was always with Bernice, never left it. Oh, sounds to me like it's just around here, maybe through that door there. You think? It's Bernice's room. I killed a lousy cat. He couldn't be in there. Oh, might be it's just a cat out in the street, you not know, in the side alley, maybe, huh? Mm-hmm. Probably not even in the house. Take a look in the room here.
15: No. No, it ain't real. She's not there. She's not there.
16: Don't hurt the cat. Not the poor cat, Jimmy. Don't kill him. Not both of us. Don't kill the cat, please. Don't kill two of us.
15: You go away. You go away. You're not there. It's a fake. You're not there,
16: Bernice. Please, Jimmy. Not both of us. Don't kill both of us. Some
15: kind of a trick. man. you go away, Bernice. You're dead and I killed you. You're downstairs. You're in the ground. You're deep in the ground. I killed you. You can't be sitting here.
16: Please, Jimmy. Please.
14: All right, Butter. Come here. No. Get away. You get away from me. She's downstairs. She's in the ground. I'll show you you can't trick me. I'll show you. Grab him, Ben. Grab him. Oh, I can't. I can't.
15: Oh. Oh. Dear
14: God. Come on, Ben. Downstairs. Yeah. I tried to grab him tried, too. He broke away. Yeah. Lopez! Lopey! Here, Joe! here! Did you see it, Lopey?
15: Yeah. Good drop from the window. He came fast.
14: Yeah.
15: Not too pretty, huh? Uh,
14: must be something, huh? How about getting a doctor?
15: Yeah, he lost the doctors when he hit that sidewalk. Only one thing left I know. Yeah? Call a priest. <laughs>
14: In his suicide leap from the top story of his house, James Butler died instantly on the pavement below. Afterwards, when the reports were made out and the deputy coroner removed the body, a special detail of men was sent out to help probe the grounds around the Butler home and also the ground directly beneath the house. The search was thorough. The ground was dug up foot by foot. and We found nothing. Butler's last admission before his death that he'd killed his wife and buried her in the grounds adjoining the house seemed to be as empty and worthless as some of the other stories that he told us. The painstaking search for the body of James Butler's wife went on. We found nothing. Alive or dead, there was still no trace of her. Butler's friends and relatives held a modest funeral for him and he was buried in a small cemetery south of the city. In Missing Persons Bureau, there were still no leads on the case of Bernice Butler. It was still open. Summer finally got to an end. The fall season came and went, and then Christmas and the holidays, and then back into January and February. On a rainy morning early in March, almost a year to the very day when the case started, we got a communication from San Francisco. It had come to the notice of the police through the county health department. In regard to your APB of June so-and-so last year, this is to inform you that Mrs. Bernie Spudler has been a patient in the Tubercular Ward County Hospital San Francisco since June 16th of last year. Apparently, her case was considered critical from the day she was admitted to the hospital. Last Thursday, she succumbed to the illness. Identification was established, next of kin notified, but no one claimed the body. She was buried at county expense. I trust this may aid you in establishing facts pertinent to her disappearance, so on. Huh. Well, how about that? Well, it doesn't figure, does it? Sooner or later, you get them all. How would you figure out that night we had Butler at the house? You I mean we had his sister in law in there and he thought he saw his wife? Oh, who knows? Suppose he really had himself talked into it. He thought he committed 100% murder. Yes, he thought about it long enough until he convinced himself. Must have worked out something like that inside his mind. Huh? Mm-hmm. Imagine he lived right through it. Figured he really killed her. When it he came for the punishment, he's ready to buy that. There wasn't any way out, so he jumped. Yeah, well, mixed up kind of get, huh? That's too bad. All things considered, I guess he loved her quite a bit. Well, it doesn't seem to matter now what he did. Wasn't much of a chance either way. What do you mean? Well, the girl, TB on one side, maybe murder on the other. Either way, she had to die. The story you have just
13: heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On March 9th, the meeting was held in the office of Captain of Homicide, Police Department, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that meeting. After locating Mrs. Bernice Butler in the tubercular ward in San Francisco County Hospital, final disposition was made of her case. Her late husband, James Butler, was cleared of any connection with her disappearance. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department.
0: You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1951 episode of the radio version of Dragnet. The Big Crazy.
3: You thought she cared
17: for you and so you acted smart. Go on and break crazy heart, you lived on promises I knew would I told you from the start
0: Zeb Turner, Crazy Heart from 1951 Thank you dear friends This concludes today's show On behalf of around the world staff of researchers, recording engineers interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin Jane. Thank you and see you next week
16: Joan Loudon, A.K.A. the Bass Lady, join me for Jazz Potpourri, airing Wednesdays from 2:30 to 4:30 p.m., with a repeat on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. From divas to crooners, from the streets of New Orleans to the clubs of Paris, with a little Latin added for spice, Jazz Potpourri is an auditory
0: mix for your listening pleasure. Join me Wednesdays and Saturdays on 93.3 FM, WSHD LP.
15: Eastport. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Bold Coasting comes at you twice a week, Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4, right here on WSHDLP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music, uh, we like to talk about it a little bit too. It's music and commentary. It's a radio show with liner notes. You kids can ask your parents what that means.
1: Tune in every Saturday
8: night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP, Eastport, Maine. on your
4: fm dial
1: man take this crazy pad man it's a mad pad
0: you are listening to wshdlp esport broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of shed high school Tune in Mondays, 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you miss the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m. And if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by
15: Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz. But by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag, it's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHD LP, Eastport. Hi,
8: this is Greg Williams. I've been collecting music first on 45s, then LPs, cassettes, CDs, and digital files for over 40 years. From the obscure to the sublime and the familiar to the mundane, it's pretty much all pop music of just about any era or genre. And I call sharing it with you unabashedly playing favorites. Please tune in every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on WSHD LP Esport 93.3 FM.